My name is Justin Gage, and you're tuned in to the Aquarium Drunkard Transmissions Podcast with your host, Jason Woodbury. Hey, welcome to Transmissions. I'm Jason P. Woodbury. Today on the show, London-based jazz and beat artist Ben Mark. He's known for his work with Ethiopian jazz legend Mulatu Astake, as well as his work with Johnny Greenwood of Radiohead and Shabaka Hudgens of Sons of Kemet. His new album is called Glass Effect, and it's a blend of classical electronic music and deeply felt spiritual jazz. He joined us to discuss his work with the Sun Ra Orchestra, uh, as well as his efforts with Johnny Greenwood and his bandmate Tom Skinner's work in Radiohead side project The Smile, which I've been listening to, and uh, we get into more anecdotes from his resume. Hey, before we get into the show, I want to acknowledge that due to a recent server switchover, some of the archives on Aquarium Drunkard aren't functioning properly for the podcast. We're working on that now, um, but uh, I want to let you know that the archive is available, functioning completely as usual in your podcatcher of choice. Uh, if you dig our show, please consider leaving us a five-star rating or a review. We appreciate you helping us connect with new listeners that way. If you want to take your support a step further, check out Aquarium Drunkard on Patreon. All right, let's get into it. Here's Ben Mark. Thanks so much for tuning into Transmissions. Putting your music up online is not always the easiest thing in the world to figure out, but DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and, as an artist, you keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music into Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, all the major streaming services. You can use it to edit your lyrics and your song credits. So important in the internet age to let people know the kind of people you're collaborating with. And uh, DistroKid makes that easy. You can also see all your stats from the streamers and, of course, add a credit card to purchase album extras. The DistroKid app is available now on iOS and Android. Go to the app or Play Store to download it. Uh, ben Mark, thanks so much for taking the time to join us here on Aquarium Drunkard Transmissions. It's great to have you here with us. Sick. Exactly. Really good to be here. Really uh, looking forward to uh, to the session. Uh, congrats on the the great record, uh, Glass Effect. Man, it's such a good record, and it does a really rare thing, in my opinion, which is that it feels, you know, like uh, like so many records that are coming out now feel turbulent and have like this sense of like tension and 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 all of that to them. Yours has that because, I mean, how can people creating stuff in this moment not have some of that? But lyrically and also I feel like sonically, there's a lot of optimism in the record too. You know what I mean? Like it feels like it's like really propelled forward by a sense of creative, um, I don't know, forward momentum or something. I, I wonder if, uh, if, if, if when you're making this stuff, are you thinking about sort of the emotional landscape that you're creating or is it a little bit more instinctual than that? Yeah, so I think it's a bit more instinctual. I'm, I, I'm a creative first and foremost. So I think as creatives go, you can't go, 
right, this is my best work because yeah. you, you, like, as a club, you know, like, because it's like, yeah, it's good. And I, and I love it. And it's the time that, that, that it was ready for my, for my brain and my capabilities. But now um, you look back and I'm going, Oh my God, like let's let this can go harder. So ultimately you're, you're always creating and also trying to push yourself at the same time. So I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't, you know, hopefully I look back and go, yeah, man, I'm really, I am proud of it. I'm totally proud yeah. of it. But like, it's, it's, it's a progression. Music is always a progression in my, my eyes. You can come, you can go on a jazz stage stage and, and, um, and, and, and play the best like blue solo ever. And, and you might get three claps, but you know, and, yeah. but it's like, you know, it's, it's like, you know, there's always more you can give on that on that bandstand and, and i feel the same way right right so when it comes to stuff like if you're working with like some of the vocalists on the record judy jackson or uh joshua idahan um yeah if you're working if you're working with those kind of folks are you having a conversation with them about where you're coming from with this track uh or are you sort of giving them the space to go wherever they're gonna go i mean what's that you know does it what kind of negotiation is there there I think everyone everyone has a different kind of way of you have to approach it with, with you know singers are very uh, sensitive folks um, <laughs> sure and uh, so yeah no it certainly was a collaboration with both of those in fact with midnight rubber as well yeah um in fact all the collaborations have been like this is where what i'm feeling this is what i think the record will um the title of the record is glass effect and it's it's the the the, the concept of breaking down barriers for folks that are not um in a pro in a privileged position so we have these conversations and 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 the way you know i, I know everyone that i've collaborated with are my friends and and we've worked together as well so i can be as hard and i can be as or they can be as hard and you sure. know vice versa right right you know yeah that's that's i mean there's always that like if, in order for a collaboration to work right there has to be that back and forth and sort of honesty and all that other stuff but i just yeah it's interesting that it it feels like the record does create a space that has like a really, I mean, hopeful is such a weird word, right? Like what does hopeful mean exactly when it comes to music? But I hear almost like a spiritual protest element to this record, you know, does that, does that resonate with you at all? That idea? Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I'm not, you know, I'm not sitting on, on a million pound or dollar, <laughs> um, uh, you know, entity at the moment. Right. But yeah. Yeah. That's probably not the plan, but it's just more like, this is where I've, been in the in the decades that I've been um, creating music, and and I, f I feel like there's um yeah like it's like I said I'm as a creative you always you always feeling hope you always feel like there is there has to be uh, hope and an end goal yeah yeah I mean I think about music as like a, a a practice that sustains that sort of thing is because you do have to always be open to the idea that something great is about to happen right you know it, musically like you have to go into it believing that in order for that to happen you know so yeah that's 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 a really cool thing yeah the record the record rules it's a, it's so it's so much fun to listen to and it's also uh, you know um i appreciate that i really appreciate um uh because i feel like it's it, for me, it's a step. I love Glass Effect, I'm, it, and it's kind of done what it what it has done in a way that it's it's got me to talk to people like yourself yeah. across the pond. And I'm trying to break down the the, the barriers for people that you probably you probably never heard of in in the UK. And and there's some super talented musicians. And I don't want to be this 
I don't, I don't want to be any sort of godfather, but like I, I would love to bring these people through with me, and and it's not just me that uh, that is is I'm expecting to kind of yeah. dare I be successful in it, but I want to bring you know I, the crew, the clan that that you know that that should be recognized for their art and talents as well. It, it feels like from over here, right? Like there, there seems to be such an incredible groundswell uh, where you're at, and in terms of like a creative basically you know you can maybe see certain reflections of it here in the u.s maybe with like la or whatever uh in terms of like sort of a, a jazz a sort of post i hate the, i guess post jazz sounds like such a such a weird goofy thing right you know what i mean uh, yeah it's, it's um post jazz jazz for me jazz is life well, yeah so like you're, you're living in you're living in the jazz world you're living it now we're improvising we're chatting we're yeah we're, we're going back and forth we're you know we're excited about this conversation and for me i'll, I'll you know the next hour yeah it's jazz's life for me so i live for, for sure i uh i i guess like i reach for almost like those extra uh descriptive terms because it's like it's jazz that also, but like all jazz has always been like in conversation with other genre, right? I mean, there's 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 been jazz that's in conversation with rock. There's been jazz that's in conversation with ambient, you know, whatever. That's like there's precedent for it all. But it seems like the way you all are collaborating and combining things right now, it, it feels like there's like a cool thing happening there, you know, whether or not you can put yeah. like a, a finger on exactly what oh. it is, you know? Yeah, I think because it's it's uh, London is such a cosmopolitan area. People are coming from very, very different parts of the world. Yeah, and, you know, there's a big Nigerian community. There's a big Jamaican community. There's a Jewish community. There's there, and everyone's just coming together in, dare I say, a music school. There's there's two notable ones in London called Trinity College of Music and Guildhall School of Music, and everyone's just come together and 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 just collaborating on that on, on in their own and, and there's no hold, holding back dare I say when I was coming out of school I was I was very much like you know the, the nomad one out actually because there wasn't much people um that really um got that I need to play or practice 10 hours a day and then get into the studio and and try to make dinner beats or whatever and, right. and make house so it was very much like it was it was kind of like you have to practice your instrument otherwise you don't get a music career now it's like you can practice your instrument and still be good at it but you you know there's there's a free program called logic or there's a yeah. you know someone can download it all these times all these types of uh, plugins or whatever that you can start being creative so it's nice to to have a, a creative palette that's accessible for everyone yeah and and that's that's what's happening. You started classical training when you were like really young, right? How old were you when you when you started studying? I started when I was six, man. Like, wow. yeah, I was, I was. I knew I wanted to be the be a double bass player, but yeah, the double bass was so high, so I, I had to stand on a chair to do it. Sometimes a table and and kind of get to the to the to the to the first uh, half half. Fret. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so I assume your parents were pretty uh, supportive and like really into the idea of you doing music yeah yeah i guess so because like my area was kind of crazy growing up so they didn't definitely didn't want me on the streets the whole time so yeah i had a hobby every day of the week man yeah and it was insane. and where was that was that in in birmingham or uh that was in birmingham, yeah. okay that was in birmingham yeah you know back i, I stayed four years in Karaku as well so 
So yeah. What do, what do you remember? You said it, you said it good though. What was you said Karaku good. You said Karaku good. I did I? Okay, I did my best. Yeah. I tried to prepare for it. I was nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Some people say Kur- Kurosawa. Kurosawa? So. <laughs> yeah. That's that's for when we're having drinks later. Um but yeah. Uh, <laughs> No, I. Uh, what what kind of stuff do you remember hearing? You, you said the area was kind of rough. Your parents didn't necessarily want want you on the street. But when you look back on those days, what kind of music do you remember hearing? What kind of uh, what what was in the air? When I was six, it was mostly uh, music from my from my home. Actually, I wasn't. You know, there was. You know, my mom and dad would be listening to Bob Marley or, or the or the Beatles or um, uh, Blondie and, it was, and and or Jim Reeves, some kind of. So it's always very diverse. Yeah, and then and then I got a guitar teacher around the age of eight who was actually from New Orleans, and he started teaching me some jazz standards. But I didn't know they were called jazz standards; they were just some songs that I needed to read music notation from. And and I got good at it. I absolutely loved the fact that yeah, I didn't have to write any words, i.e., English things. <laughs> yeah, you know. So you know, it was a, a practical um, uh, aspect aspect of learning. So I enjoyed that side of it. The creativity wasn't really enough. I didn't know what creativity was. It was just someone told me to do something, and I did it. And so, um, but then you, you know, you grow older and you realize that you can put all of these things together yeah what what were the the records or the reference points for you that when you when you were like i want to make music myself i want to sort of have my own thing what what were some of the the foundational records um i mean it kind of came over to like first i mean it was biggie smalls that was very much a, mm. a hip-hop you know that kind of world and then you moved on to um Man, it was tough because that that dare I say Sven Vaff was a, a big house um, uh, guru, still is a guru. I don't know if you know Sven Vaff from the Cuckoo label. I don't. Um, yeah, he's a Berlin DJ, and to be fair, it went it went from classical to jazz, and then it went to heavy techno house. Yeah. I don't know. So it was like right, and if I want to be a DJ. <laughs> I have to start making my own, or a big DJ, um, I, want, I need to start making my own um, house records. And so I started listening to a lot of Roger Sanchez and Roger Sanchez was a big kind of, he would do like seven hour sessions at um, Ministry of Sound in London. And I'll be at the booth, man. I'll be just like, watch like the storytelling of his, of his sets were, were insane, man. And people were just going crazy for it. And like, it was almost every month he would come down weirdly and, um, and that's what got me into like production, really. Yeah. And so were you were you like studying music that whole time as well? Like uh playing it yourself? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it but it was two worlds. It was one of the reasons why Ben Mark happened because people knew me in London as Neil and and I knew that I wasn't Neil because I wasn't Neil making writing the being a producer because it just wasn't it wasn't just purely jazz. I was, I was, I was kind of going down by myself to all of these house raves and like just being, being that, that dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, just, yeah. Just, yeah. No, that's, yeah. Not many, of my ma- not many of my mates would come. A few, a few of my lady friends would come, but they would just be out. They'll come out and we will have a great time. And then they'll be off like dancing in the middle, you know, in the dance floor. And I'll be like properly like, yeah, really focusing on the sound and frequencies. Taking, yeah, taking notes, th- absorbing it, like yeah. trying to internalize yeah. that. 
yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so what was it that you I mean, looking over like your list of people that you've played with and and you know, it's it's insane. Uh you've had you've had a lot of interesting musical collaborators. Um I wonder how if if we could talk a little bit about the Sun Ra Orchestra and how you first came in contact with them and when when about that was. Uh when was that? Did you yeah. say? uh that was probably like three years before covid like five four five years ago now. got it um but it i mean I, they would always play at a place called cafe Otto, mm-hmm. and there was times when it would be so i don't know if you know cafe Otto in london but yeah the capacity is like i don't know maybe 80 people and they'll do three nights or four nights sometimes a week and i would always be like you know at the end of the queue because guys will be queuing up like <sighs> for hours to get there and I'll never be able to get in. It's just insane. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then weirdly, but weirdly on one of the nights, um, in fact, the f- before the first night, some, uh, the Shabaka Hutchins is, is huge in, in the jazz scene and he's over in America at the moment, but he, yeah. he did an interview um, and they asked him if they could reckon, if he could recommend a bass player for, um, for the up and coming shows and and that's how it just basically fell into place really um so was but yeah so was the first time you saw the sun Ra orchestra while you you know playing in the in the group or had you it was met- the first time i actually spoke to anyone from the sun Ra orchestra because yeah they're all they're all kind of like within themselves and if you don't know them then they probably wouldn't give you that much time of day. Sure. but i did i have heard them um from the outside on the street corner because it was so freaking loud and they'll come out <laughs> into the into the yeah they'll come out after their show and and do the big brass band thing in the middle of the street at midnight and it was that was fun and kind of get to yeah hang a little bit with that that way but yeah that was the first proper contact with them yeah it was amazing do you have you like gone down the 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 rabbit hole of sort of studying sun ra's philosophies or any of the sort i mean like i don't know how much you've engaged with his like because obviously the music is informed by all of this stuff but he had you know so much like from poetry to tracks to the different, you know, lessons. And I've talked with a few people from the orchestra and talked about how, you know, for them at least, it's all, it was like a lifestyle, right? Like being in the orchestra is like being in a religious, you know, group almost. Uh, I wonder if you've gone down the road sort of in terms of his like cosmic side. I mean, you read, yeah, you read a lot about about them and you, you know, check the documentaries and being in England, it's, it's very hard to kind of have that, have that strict um, lifestyle like them and I, I would actually I would love to like sit in the house and live in the house and sit in the house with especially with Marshall and yeah um but I got on well with um Danny Thompson who's sadly passed away um I think during COVID I think and um yeah. Elsa and uh but um it's it's all but it's very much um yeah it's, t- it's, it's tough yeah I absolutely um have a knowledge of their principles yeah and um yeah philosophies but yes yeah, yeah, the, the, the sun stuff like i i try reading the stuff and it it sometimes it's like he's so paradoxical you know it's like he, there's these different sides and sometimes you feel i mean but that's the whole idea right is like angels and demons at play i think a lot about his work really does sort of uh re- resolve around this idea of like forces uh, sort of playing against each other and sort of learning how to like exist and it's just he's a very it's tough to read sometimes, uh, frankly. You know what I it mean? Is, like it's amazing, but you. It is tough to read, and and I actually felt that when I felt sorry, sorry for jumping in no, there, but no. I actually felt, I knowing a little bit about that world, 
then coming into this this gig the first time and only having an hour to to kind of prepare and they brought this they brought three huge kind of notepads of music and and they were they said, look, he could, we could choose any one of these songs and I'd have to flip through all these, these books to kind of get from book one to, and it's like 300 in one pad. And, and then I was, at, I was so, so, so nervous. But then what made it even worse was that the, the, the drummer, as, as we came, as we were about to walk on stage, the drummer says, it's every, you sound good. I love your bass playing and soundtrack, but it's every man for himself. No. And I'm like, oh my God this is this is real this is real now and he was and and they're all like they're all really welcoming but it really was every man for himself and that kind of day day uh, angels and demons kind of kind of emotion just started like <laughs> like what am i am i gonna sink am i gonna swim yeah. What's gonna happen? wow insane. that must have felt like a baptism of fire yeah yeah it was like the yeah it was i i, I couldn't believe it but I, he's one of my best mates now um so so yeah, did you did you go. have moments in that first show where you just you know like once the music started you sort of were like the, uh, does 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 the fear go usually at that point um luckily i was next to the the guitarist um hotep i don't know if you know hotep i don't know him um, yeah i don't know him well no yeah yeah and he was he was he's done it loads of times but he was really sweet he was just like look book one page 33 or something and he was like yeah. and i'll flip through it really quickly so um but there was also times when um marshall will call a tune um and on the other side of um the the stage there'll be noel scott like shouting out man like we haven't done this tune in 30 odd years marshall let's you know let's do another one and then suddenly this is all kind of dare i say an act where one side of the um the, uh, the orchestra will play one tune and the other side of the orchestra will play another tune and then it's just a chaotic Man. noise mess. But then suddenly it just sinks into the way of, of like space is the place world. That's, <laughs> that's so cool. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you mentioned Shabaka Hutchins. Uh, when, when, when did you first meet him? And, and, and how, did oh, you first, how did you first collaborate? Um, I've known Shabaka for so, so long. In fact, Shabaka was one of the guys who would um, go down to, uh, to to the house raise with me. Um, but he was... Um, cool. But I'm not, yeah, he was he was very much in- interested and intrigued about that world a bit. So, um, um, but I've known him for a long time. I can't remember, like over 15, 20 years. Yeah. So yeah, it goes, it goes back. What what's what's your favorite thing about about playing with with him? What's what's the quality that he he either brings out in you or that you know the two of you sort of accentuate on together? You know what what's what's sort of your favorite thing about many, that? There's so many. We've been in so many different scenarios, um, from free jazz to two chord grooves to um, classical um, improvisation to it's it's there's so many, and he's just a great all round musician. Like yeah, and and you might hear that whatever he's doing today is really you know is it simple don't know it might to an ear it might sound simple but the textures behind what he has to do to get to those simplistic kind of um sounds is is a lot of work you know it's a lot of practice to make it look simple yeah for sure uh, to go back to your to go back to your latest record, I, I I wondered was this mostly assembled? Were you hosting you know jams with people like live jams, or or was it assembled a little bit more piecemeal or or remote you know collaboration? How did you actually go about getting the material, which you then of course arrange and produce and sequence into what we hear? 
Are you talking about, you're talking about the album Gas Effect? Yeah, um, that, yeah. That that was just purely all all me and and, and whoever I needed or wanted to collaborate with. Um, it was very much um, it was very much I knew that I wanted that sound within the context. So I never really jammed with people. Yeah, I do that on bandstand. I do that somewhere else. I knew that this was my studio project. Um, and again, I'm half, I'm 75% into the second record album and, um, and that'll be another studio project. So I've just done the album launch and that again was, it will be, the live will be live and the studio will be different. So I, I want people to experience Benmark, hopefully in a live performance different to like, I oh know that that song didn't go like that on the record, but it's a, it's, it's a, it's a progression. It's a hope kind of symbolism when we start playing it live. Yeah, that there is no, there's no definitive version of a song, right? You know, I mean, it's like, yeah, that's something that I think is really evident in in that kind of, the kind of work that you're doing. Because it's like, you're using, I mean, I don't want to say collage is probably like the wrong term, but there is sort of a little bit of a, it, like you said, it feels like the storytelling from a DJ perspective is really clearly in the in the record, you know, where do you... When you're when you're sequencing, I mean, you're thinking about narrative as well. Uh, narrative as in text, you mean? I mean, narrative in terms of the overall sort of like you you, you cited like going to those those raves and sort of like the storytelling aspect of people's sets. I wonder how you apply that to your own music, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah, I guess so. I guess that. Like dare I say, a big influence of mine was, oh, and still is, is Bonobo, and and he, how he yeah. creates his songs. I like they're so simple, but yet yeah, the the textures be, just makes the song so interesting the whole time. It could be a two minute track, it could be a three minute track, it could be a six minute track, and there's lots of producers like that. But as well as um, machine drum and like people that really grasp harmony and and technology technology um or you know the production what side of things and and um and those are my two favorites and i try and tell try and get that story yeah you know trying to get my knowledge of harmony as well as production within a short space of time to make it interesting i i i think it's coming from the fact that i've been on bandstands where someone has played a chorus of a blues for 15 minutes and i'm just like i'm totally not into like a 15 minute song right now <laughs> oh yeah yeah on. yeah it's it's a very you you're interested in the brevity right now you're interested yeah. in sort of getting there maybe a little quicker <laughs> yeah but also like but but each track i felt like it wasn't wasn't meant to have a fast track and then a slow track, a ballad, and then there's another fast track. It wasn't meant to be up and down. It was just meant to be, you know, an arc of, I just love the art. I love storytelling, you know, in music, especially so. Do you you feel like you draw from uh, influences outside of music when it comes to storytelling? I mean, are you a movie dude too? Are you big in movies? Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure. I I mean, I love movies. I, I um, yeah, I'm a, yeah. So so many people that watch. I don't think I've got much time watching loads of movies. I'm absolutely into movies. But um, Michelle Basquiat is um, Jean Michel Basquiat is a is a big kind of influence outside of music for me. Yeah, and, uh, people like Baldwin and people like um, I don't know, like you know, the political movements and the. And, and and just like just sportsmen <laughs> and things like that, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. 
people that have have kind of come from dare I say nothing <laughs> I say nothing but like has made their mark without without you know having the talent without having to have a gold spoon in their mouth the whole time sure sure people who came up and had to maybe work a bit harder work a little <laughs> bit harder sure I mean, I don't know what it's like in, in London, but I mean, I know here in the U.S., you know, so much of music, so often the only people who can afford to do it are the people who grew up with the golden spoon in their mouth. You know what I mean? Like, it feels like like that kind of creative class, like that's, it is a privileged position, you know, to some degree, uh, very often, you know, but it's interesting to hear you talking about sort of the creative you know getting getting there without having that leg up you know is an interesting thing yeah yeah no absolutely there's so many kids in school that just don't have opportunity to learn an instrument or yeah or or just have a basketball or football or it's just it's just insane that you know all the things have been shut down music schools and the playgrounds whatever so it's 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 getting even harder and and hopefully i don't know i'm not sure if a 10 year old would ever listen to this record but eventually maybe they would come back to this (laughs) yeah i mean i like the idea of a 10 year old listening to this record but yeah (laughs) you never know right yeah you never know you never know so yeah you mentioned one, another one of your collaborators is uh, is is uh, uh, Tom Skinner, right? Uh, mm. Who who's pl- who's playing in the Smile right now? I wonder did did you know about that project before you could say anything about it? Did you know the Smile thing I, was happening? I knew the, I, I knew that he was working with. I didn't know the name of the band. Yeah, but I knew I knew that he was working with um, Johnny, and I knew that he also did um, something recently. I say six seven months ago on on one of johnny greenwood's film um soundtracks so um, i knew he was up there quite a lot and bumped into him in a few studios in in recent times and he was expressing all of this but i didn't know the name of the band but i knew he was doing stuff i'm so ha- i'm so so happy for him because tom is like i've known tom as long as i've known uh shabaka and we have we had a band we still have a band called zu um mm. and that was uh, released on a Babel, a London label called Babel, and um, we released one album and toured maybe seven or eight gigs, and yeah, and we yeah we we still we're all still good mates. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I have to imagine it was it would be kind of a trip, you know, knowing that your buddy was playing with those guys. I mean, you've played with you you worked on on the master soundtrack too, right? How how did that? Yeah, yeah, because that band said you we did like a gig one Thursday evening in, in in West London, and there was like five people in this place. The capacity was like 150. We we're like, oh my god, what are we doing? Are we? And that one person out of five like filmed it. <laughs> film like yeah. i don't know three minutes of it and then put it on youtube and and then johnny was just like like trawling the tube and he saw what we were doing and and within like i don't know 48 hours or something he emailed one of us i think it was shabaka by youtube or something and and kind of it's like do you want to do this thing and we were like hell yeah so <laughs> yeah so how did fun. how did that work did you just go to a studio and he had stuff kind of set up and you listened to it did you watch any of the film while scoring yeah, yeah we, watched, we watched we watched some clips um we didn't watch the whole film but we watched quite a lot of the clips and we kind of just basically improvised over it. he did have a, a a method of of um kind of like a uh what was it? i think um is, is it samandal marla 
I can't remember his um, go-to classical composer now, hmm. but he had he had um, these six seven notes that he was he really wanted to keep the modem into the the mode into the into the into the to, to the piece. So yeah, um, yeah, he was very strict on that. But then we could do anything we want from that. Yeah. Was that was that as nerve wracking as playing with the Sun Ra guys, or did that feel a little bit more? You know. Uh, oh no, that was that was pretty easy. To be fair, it was more like. How much are we getting paid, guys? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's a movie, right? I mean, I, I assume you need that. Uh, you, you you want that job? Yeah, it's a good, probably pretty okay uh, job. I think that's 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 certainly um a thing that I would I, I certainly would aspire to. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, hopefully, one day, I, you know, we get to that level. But yeah, yeah. You know. Well, that's such a cool. That's such a cool. I mean, that movie is. I, I liked the film a lot, and the music is, is, the is great. Yeah. Like. All of Johnny Greenwood's scores are are, you know he he's it's such a cool thing. It's it's kind of I feel like it's like um, it's not uncommon for like people who are just in bands to make the move into you know uh, music for film or TV, but it is sort of uncommon for them to be so good at it that way. You know what I mean? Like so good at these two different kinds of of things. Because in a situation like that where you're improvising, you have a lot of freedom, right? But you also have what's happening sort of textually again that you're playing off of. So it's a pretty, it's a pretty, it's a pretty, you know, I imagine it, se- it seems demanding to me. It is a bit demanding, but he knew what he, he, he called us because he knew that we could do the job and we did what we knew that we could do. So it was yeah. actually quite easy. And um, uh, yeah, but he's, he's a massive musician. He's not just a guitarist out of Radiohead. He's a, right. he's a composer and he's, he's, he's schooled on classical music and he knows his, he knows his stuff. And he, yeah, he's, he's a really knowledgeable guy. And, and also um, very recently did a, a um, like an eight piece, string um arrangement i don't know if you heard that i forget the name of it now but it's him on guitar doing loads of loops and stuff and he wrote this beautiful it's not even for film it's just like this i know like kind of overture type style of music it's really incredible i don't think he even released it he just kind of announced it and put it on um on soundcloud i think (laughs) i probably missed that that's the other thing about those guys is like he'll do all sorts of cool stuff and doesn't make a big deal about it right you know he just sort of puts it out it's like hey there's another thing yeah 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 it's it's totally incredible i guess he's got the time in there yeah i mean (laughs) (laughs) i think (laughs) so yeah yeah and it's probably it's probably uh when you're johnny greenwood you're like yeah i can just put this out but if you're somebody who needs to you know build up the recognition yeah yeah, yeah, that's awesome Uh, i was again like i said all of the just sort of like mind-blowing uh people that you've worked with to see and i didn't find much information about this but apparently you you played with tina turner at one point too how did that happen yeah um my my friend is um he's doing the tina turner musical and he's a bass player in in the west end and he asked me to do a couple of shows oh man i've i haven't this is a crazy story because he he asked me to debt for him when he went when he went to do other gigs and i did a, a great job and every time i would, I would rock up and i'll do like two a, a week sometimes three a week and over the course of six weeks it, it they kind of wanted to keep me and kind of <laughs> like out the other bass player, but he's, you know, he was the mate and stuff. And I clearly didn't want to do a seven day a week show like that. In the sure. rest of right. So, the, so then the, the, the booker just called me up and says, look, would you want to go to, um, 
Hamburg to do the opening night for the new Tina Turner in um in um Hamburg and lo and behold we had to learn like five tunes luckily I knew them but she was she was there and we, we did a, a five um tune performance and um she had yeah it was it was really incredible and then we did the the um West End show in Hamburg for 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 just so it was it was it's only for one day but it was just like I mean oh still yeah 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 what's what's yeah. what's she like in person what's the vibe she 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 seemed really sweet. She was happy and smiley. I think she just had a appendix out, or she kind of just gave <laughs> something to her son to, for him to stay alive. So it was a little. She was a little bit down, but I think the son passed very recently, which is what, what I've just read. But she was like, she was ha- happy to be there, and you know. But um, yeah. she's had a trauma, trauma, traumatic life over the last five years. It's, it's what I've been hearing. Yeah, but she, she was absolutely sweet with us. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Are you a fan of, you know, I like, I think about her work and I think about the so many huge, huge records, you know, in the 80s and 90s. And but then I think about some of that 60s stuff and the seven, like the Ike, the stuff with Ike Turner, too. Yeah, obviously a very problematic dude, you know, in his in his behavior. But man, those records they made together are mind blowing. Insane, and I knew they were good. But then when I started doing the show, and they picked out the um, the, the tunes for the show, it was just like, oh my god, this tune is amazing! Bass playing, or amazing, like this is is incredible. And and then the obviously it tells a story in the show, and you're like, and then you get to the Phil Spector, and then it's like, wow, it's it's she's got, and, but and we only play like fifteen of the songs, and she's got how many albums, you know? And it's all yeah, totally, you know. So what what's the what's the secret to being able to fit into all these different musical uh you know sort of uh arrangements for you cuz you go from sometimes it's like day to day it seems like it's like wildly different kinds of collaboration i mean do you does it all feel like it comes from the same place for you definitely it's there's only 12 notes in a musical scale it's true. There's only, there's only like how you can't go outside of that, man. It's just like unless you start doing avant-garde free jazz, it's like you know. There's only so. I guess the rhythms there from being a Caribbean man, yeah, and the knowledge is there from being in the Western world with Eastern world, Western world, um, uh, knowing the, um, the you know the, the classical notation, and it's all combined and. I, I don't know. I'm just very, very, very lucky that I, I had someone to... In fact, when I was 10, 11, I think, and I was properly getting into music and I knew that I wanted to hang out with all my all my mates who were doing football. And my, I, I sort of went up to my teacher, music teacher and said, I want to stop. I want to, I want to, I don't want to do this anymore. And, and he sat me... It was crazy because it was just after lunch. So it was like 1.30 in the afternoon. And uh, he sat me down in the music office um, and gave me tea as a 10-year-old. Yeah, in office and biscuits, and I was just like, "Oh my god, I'm not going to class. I'm not going to class. I'm not going to lesson." And for two hours, you just sat with me and just like made, sat down and maybe listened to like loads of music. And it was like, "This is." And then he said, and one, and one of the most important things was he said was, um, "If you want to travel the world for free, learn your instrument." And and I didn't understand that, but but I knew. But now I now I now I do because I feel like this is. Yeah, music is everywhere. Music is is once you've got it, you you can c- 
meet people like yourself and yeah and, and connect with people and you know i think that's i'm a people's person i think and and yeah it just takes me where i want to where i feel like i should go holy shit that's a good teacher man yeah man he was insane what what, what <laughs> do, you, do you remember the teacher's name mr um yeah it was weirdly because that afternoon i was meant to have a double bass lesson and so the head of music was mr bagley and my double bass teacher was mr harper and they both sat down and, and just chat, chatted with me for for eight for two hours and, and, so they, and, they, and they made you listen to music do you remember anything anything that they played for you that you were like whoa <laughs> holy crap fiddler on the roof man yeah <laughs> the musical for fiddler on the roof dude wow that's amazing oh that's so that's so cool what what an amazing thing i mean and it's like obviously they were they were right you know you've you have traveled the world you've been all over the place have you have you been able to travel much like lately i mean i know it's been a weird time in the world where some people are really staying hunkered down but have you been have you been like kind of getting back out into the world I was in Miami last week. Hey, congrats. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 I was, I'm, I'm part of a band called Gabrielle. So I'm playing bass with those guys. They're an amazing band from LA, actually. Um, three guys. And I'm, I'm in that, in that scene. It's kind of a poppy thing, but the, it's also quite solely and jazzy at the same time. I'm playing double bass on that. Um, yes. I've been to Miami. I've been to um, uh, Tilburg. I didn't even know where that was. It's in um, yeah, Holland. Okay. Yeah. So that was a bit of a weird travel over there. I'm going to Germany in a couple of weeks. And so, yeah, it's all, it started to pick up again, strangely. Um, and weirdly, going to Miami, there was no one with a mask on the plane. I was just like, well, that's a bit, it's a bit strange. I had my mask on the whole, uh, the whole time. I didn't even eat. I was just like, Yo. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's such a strange, it's, it's, it's a very, I mean, out where I'm at. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's pretty much over is the way people are behaving. And that's obviously, a. uh, Good for music. It's good for you know, I did an album launch last, last week and it, no one had a mask and that, you know, it's, yeah it is what it is man it's yeah i think everyone is precautious everyone would know if there were someone if they were ill you'll take the test and things like that and yeah yeah but but it's been but it's felt good playing shows again oh absolutely loved it yeah 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 yeah, yeah hopefully i'll get out there you're in la right i'm in i'm actually in arizona uh aquarium drunkard is based in la though got you yeah, yeah. So, uh, LA, and I'm sure that there's a lot of people who want to hear y'all, you know, hear you out here. Uh, this, like I said, the new record is so great. Um, before I let you go, though, I did want to ask, I wanted to talk a little bit about your work with uh, Malatu Astake. I, I, I always struggle with the name, so I don't know if I did as good that's, on the, with that's, that one. That's Malatu Astake. Astake. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, obviously, his, his stuff is mind blowing. And one of the true the true greats how did you how did you come in contact with him initially um there's a there's a uh, the trumpet player in the band his name's byron wallen the most amazing trumpet player in the london scene and he was part of a group called heliocentrics hmm. if you know those guys. yeah i like and, them a lot um, yeah so he he was um uh somehow somehow Milatu was getting tired of <laughs> tired of heliocentrics because he was <laughs> featuring on their stuff and he was just like, I've got to bring this music out again. And I, I'm just, a, there's two musicians for, for every um, um, instrument because everyone's really busy. So, sure. Uh, so I, I, luckily I've had 10 years of kind of getting the call 
by his management and stuff to to do to to do his work, but it was really incredible. But but it was Byron Wallen who recommended me to be one of two bass players. What what have you learned from working with Mulatu? What's like what's um, what's been the most sort of like mind blowing lesson or sort of thing that's how's it changed you as a player? Can be can I be nice or shall I be rude? Oh man, Simply I mean, I have to encourage rudeness because you know it's good for listenership. People will be like, "This is a controversial interview," but um, you can do whatever you choose. Don't fire your sound engineer <laughs> twenty minutes before the gig. Yeah, Don't, um, uh, yeah. Uh. No, there's, so many, there's so many. There's like, um, know your age, know how old you are. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, he's a he's a really nice guy and. But yeah, it's I don't know. Yeah, he's he's yeah. Oh my god, I'm blessed to, to know him and sit down and have tea with him so many times. But yeah, I've learned a lot. I don't yeah. really fucking say much. <laughs> I understand. I understand. That's so cool, though. That's so cool. And I mean, it, it's like I said, I I love this new record, and it's it's great to hear you in all of these different forms. You know, in all of these different ways, are exploring some some version of the same thing. And and I think that it's uh. You know, that thing you had mentioned about how it's for a long time, it seemed like two worlds, right? There's sort of like the stage world and there's this this sort of beat world on the record. I mean, it's obviously a very beat driven record and it's 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 in that zone and you can hear that house influence and the electronic thing. But you also hear so much of that jazz spirit and so much of that sort of searching thing that you you do. So I really dig it. I'm so happy you could hear all of those things because obviously you're like, I wonder if people would like it. I wonder if people would dig it. So I'm really happy that you broke it down like that, really. Oh, yeah. I dig it very much and I've really enjoyed the chance to speak with you and I hope you have a, a good rest of your evening. Thanks so much, man. Thank you, man. Thank you. I'm Jason P. Woodbury. Thanks for listening to Transmissions. You can support this podcast by checking out our Patreon page. Help support independent media and get some cool stuff in the process. I write, host, and produce Transmissions. Our audio is edited by Andrew Horton. Our show is executive produced by Justin Gage, Aquarium Drunkard's founder. Don't miss his Aquarium Drunkard show every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. PST on Sirius XMU. We are a part of the TalkHouse Podcast Network. Again, please rate, review, subscribe, and spread the word if you dig transmissions. Next week on the show, Ben Vaughn joins us to discuss his new record, as well as working with Alex Chilton and recording that grass country record with Ween. Please come back and join us. This transmission is concluded. <laughs>